joy, peace, patience, love, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. So as we grow in character, it's the Holy Spirit that's working in our lives to produce that fruit of good character. So Drew's going to unpack that and I think tell us the how to do this. (laughs) We're all on this journey together. (laughs) Let me pray, Drew. Thank you. Father God, I just want to thank you for today. Thank you that we can be here. I pray for Drew as he speaks this morning. Um, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would rest on him completely and that the things that you've put on his heart for this morning would be um, shared in a way that we can understand, that we will um, really learn from, and that your Holy Spirit would work in our lives so that we'll be transformed to become more like you and grow in character that you have, that you so desire for us to be growing in. Thank you so much, Jesus. Amen. 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 Thanks, Mel. Thank you. Um, I'm going to jump right in here on this uh, Future You series called Growing Your Character. And this, uh, this past week for uh, my family and myself was quite a difficult week. And, and um, so I'm coming here this morning and a little bit raw, but uh, not really wanting to be here. I don't know if you've ever had that. Um, standing in worship, and we're worshiping together, and we're singing words that I don't really want to sing. And in the, in the moment, as, I'm, as we're singing and we're in worship, I just had the sense that God was saying, this is what worship is. This is what worship does, is um, we don't bring our our feelings, you, Drew, you don't bring your feelings into worship and you let your feelings dictate your worship. You, you allow the worship to, to dictate your feelings. And over the course as, as we were singing and as we were worshiping, I just I found myself being able to uh, reflect on these words and sing these words and these words became powerful and And I was able to enter into a worship, not because I wanted to worship, but because it's it's who God is. And and we're able in worship to be able to take who God is and enthrone him on our lives and make him the priority in our lives. And and that's where um, it starts to shift in our hearts. And so we're in this series called Future You, and, and it's growing your character. And, and the general concept of this series is, is that uh, imagine with me for a moment that you could uh, come back in a time machine from five years from now, from the year 2025, and talk to yourself today in the year 2020. What would you say to yourself? What would the future you have to say to the current you uh, right now? And, and what we said as we've been unpacking this is that, well, there's a good chance that the future version of me, the 2025 version of me, would say very similar things to me as I would say to the five-year-old version, the 2015 version of, of me. Me, meaning this, that, that if, if I was a little bit angry five years ago and, and we're not dealing with that now, then what's that going to look, look like five years from now? If we're dealing with cynicism in 2015, then fast forward 10 years to 2025, and what does that look like in our, in our lives then? 
And so then we're going to kind of unpack this, and we've spent a couple weeks talking about this, and then next week we're going to look at the year 2070, and we're going to say, hey, what would the future you in 2070 have to say to you right now in 2020 about the big nuggets in life and how to live life? And then in, in a couple years, I'm going to talk about something that we haven't really talked about uh, before. I'm going to talk about 500 years from now. What would the 500-year future you have to say about uh, living and an eternity? I think you're going to want to be there. But right now, we're talking about the here and we're talking about now. And what, what we're talking about right now is character. And we're saying character matters. And so this week, um, it's really in conjunction. It goes hand in hand with last week's message that Brian preached last week about why character matters. We're going to talk about well, how can we grow in our character this week. So how I'm going to um, structure this, this message this morning is that for the first uh, 10, 15 minutes, I'm going to um, just kind of share some, some story, stories here and go into history. And then, and then you're like, in, in about like 5, 10 minutes, you're going to be like, where is he going with this? And trust me, I'm going somewhere with this. So, so just stay with the journey here. And we are, we are moving towards something. But um, in, in the late 1800s, there was a guy by the name of Vilfredo. Pareto. So that's my really bad attempt at, a, at an Italian accent there. And, but uh, Vilfredo uh, Pareto, he was in his garden and he made this small but a really interesting discovery. Uh, Pareto noticed that there was a tiny amount number of his pea pods that were producing the majority of the, the peas in his garden. And so uh, Pareto is mathematical. He's, he's an economist and, and he, he loved numbers. And so the peas in the garden, it set his mathematical brain in, in motion. And he started asking himself, I wonder if this is relatable in other areas in life as well. And so, and so he started studying uh, the, his country and the wealth that was in his country. And, and he began to analyze the distribution of wealth in Italy. And to his surprise, he discovered that approximately 80% of the land was owned by 20% of the people. So similar to the peas in his garden, most of the resources were controlled by a minority of the players. And so then he continues his research and he finds out that this is not just, uh, not just true to his own country, but it's actually true in a, in a global perspective. And he saw that in Britain, um, Britain, approximately 30% of the population earned about 70% of the total income. And as he continued researching this, he found that the trend was really consistent in a lot of areas in life. That the majority, and here's the thing, the majority of rewards always seem to accumulate to a small group of people. And so this idea that he, he um, started working through, it became known as the Pareto Principle, or more commonly, it's known as the 2080 or the 80-20 rule. Okay, so how many of you are familiar with the 80-20-20-80 rule? So if you've grown up in the church like I grew up in, um, we use this principle to say, hey, you know, 20% of the people are doing 80% of the work or 20% of the people are giving to 80% of the, of the budget and tithing. And, and we kind of thought that we were, we were the founders of that principle. No, this goes back over 100 years ago to, to Pareto. And in the decades that followed, uh, his work actually became gospel for most economists. And once people started seeing this, they started seeing it everywhere. For example, the, in, in the NBA, 
20% of the franchises have won 75% of the championships, right? So like Pareto's Peapods, there's, there's a few teams that account for the majority of the rewards. In soccer, 75 different nations have competed in the World Cup, and only three, Brazil, Germany, and Italy, have won 13 out of the 20 World Cup tournaments that have happened. And so the examples of the Pareto principle exist in everything from real estate to income equality to, to tech startups. Like, like, for example, Google receives 65% of all search queries. And I didn't even know that there was other search engines other than Google. Like, it's just Google, right? Like, it's become its own word, verb. Like, just Google it, right? And, and so why does this happen, though? Why, why do a few people, a few teams, a few organizations enjoy the bulk of the rewards to, in life? And, and to answer this, I want to consider an example from nature. And I'm going somewhere with this, okay? So, so just stay with me here. The Amazon rainforest. There's 16,000 different tree species in the Amazon. But despite this uh, remarkable level of diversity... Uh, researchers have found that there's only 227 tree species that make up nearly half the rainforest. So how is it that 1.4% of the tree species account for 50% of the trees in the Amazon? So this is what you have to do. Is you, you imagine two plants that they're growing side by side. And each day, they're competing for the same sun and the same soil. And if one plant can grow just a little bit faster than the other plant, and it can grow a little bit taller, it can catch a little bit more sunlight, it can soak up a little bit more rain, the, the next day, this additional energy allows the plant to grow even a little bit more. And this pattern continues day after day until the stronger plants crowd out the weaker plants and they take the lion's share of the sunlight and the soil and all the nutrients. And so from this stronger position, the winning plant has a better ability to spread the seeds and to grow and to reproduce and become an even uh, larger, uh, take up a larger footprint in the, in the place that they're at. And this process gets repeated again and again until the plants that start, to, that start off just slightly stronger, they now dominate the entire forest. There's a scientific word for this or phrase for this. You probably know what it is. It's called the accumulative advantage. What begins as a small advantage over the course of time gets bigger and bigger. Now, something similar happens in our own lives when we begin to grow our character. The small differences and the small changes in our practices and in our habits now can lead to huge gains when repeated over time. And this is why we say that practices are so important. We say together, we're practicing the way of Jesus. And what we're talking about is that if the purpose of being a Christian is to become like Jesus so we can do the things that Jesus did, and, and, and that sounds daunting, and it sounds impossible. Like, that cannot ever happen. But this is not about making a major overhaul overnight. And if we're able to maintain a slight change in our spiritual practices, and then repeat that tomorrow, and then the day after that, and you repeat, repeat the process of growing by just a little bit over and over again, Jesus says, if you follow me, 
And if, if you don't give up, if you stay with it, when the challenges of life hit, over the course of time, you're going to start to change. Over the course of time, you're going to start to look like me. Over the course of time, you're going to start to begin, you're going to start to bear the, the kind of fruit that I was bearing. And, and that's what this whole series is about, that if we plot the trajectory of our character arc 5, 10, 20, 50 years from now, the question is, who or what are you becoming? Are you on track to become more Jesus expressed? Are you looking more and more like Jesus? Or are you becoming something else? For most of us, here in, in this room, I think it's safe to say that we want to look more like Jesus 5, 10, 20 years from now than what we currently do. And what we're saying is that to become like Jesus, that we must be permeated by the character traits of Jesus. And this is the work of transformation. This doesn't happen in a, in a magical moment it's this deep work that starts from the inside and it works its way out. And over the course of time, we become like Jesus. And, and here, here's the flip here, is that not only does God desire for us to become like him, he actually require, we are required to participate with God in growing our character. Paul seems to agree with this statement. Paul says in, in 2 Corinthians, and the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. What he's not saying here is that we passively sit back and we let God do all the work and, and we sit on the couch and we eat a bag of Cheetos and then, and then all of a sudden magically, poof, I'm looking like Jesus now. Oh, that's great. And he doesn't mean that our character development is an accidental process. Like I was walking along the sidewalk and I tripped. And I'm like, oh, look it. I found my character. I'm glad that happened. That, that's not how this works. And in all of life, God expects us to partner with him in what needs to be done. Right? So if, if we're not intentionally attending the garden that is in our backyards when spring comes and we're planting the seeds and we're wanting to grow a little harvest in our backyards, if we're not intentionally attending that garden, what happens? Weeds take over. If we're not intentionally attending those relationships and our marriages, what happens? It soon starts to deteriorate and it becomes broken. For you parents, you know this, that if, if, if we're not intentionally um, attending and, and raising our children, what happens? They become spoiled brats, right? In, in everything, our natural drift is always down and not up. And so if we don't intentionally attend our character, it's not going to get better over the course of time. It, it, it goes downwards, not upwards. And, and Scripture seems to a, agree with this and that we should be intentionally attending our character formation. Here's a few uh, passages here. Uh, 2 Corinthians 7.1. Look at what, what Paul says. Let us purify ourselves. 
from everything that contaminates God and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. So that terminology, perfecting holiness, in the old school, um, they would say uh, sanctification, right? How many of you are familiar with that word, right? Like, brothers, you need to be sanctified, right? Okay, we don't usually, usually use that terminology anymore, but now maybe new school, it's more spiritual formation. But he continues on here and he says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Uh, this is one that we've used quite a bit as, as, a, as a church here at Summit. Train yourself to be godly and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Make every effort to add to your faith, goodness, and to goodness, knowledge. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's my point. God wants us to take the initiative to change our character. And if we don't do that, if we don't take that initiative, what happens? We tend to drift and, and we coast and we, we just go with the flow. And, and often people have a hard time with this. They'll say, well, that's just who I am. Like, just deal with it. It's, it's who I am. Well, maybe that's not who you were meant to be. Maybe it's not who you were supposed to be. It's the reason that we're so opposed to changing is because change is hard. Here, here's the good news, So, And this is where God comes in. And because he doesn't leave us alone in this effort. He stands and he makes himself available and ready to help us. And, and his divine power is made available to us. Uh, Peter talks about this, about God's divine power here. He says, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Just get that. His divine power, his power, God's power is made accessible to you because it's essential for character change. When it comes to character building, God has to work in me and then I have to work at it. And the whole process of transformation is in, is in partnership with God. It's not meant to be done on our own strength. And, and he, has, he has a plan to help you with this and we just need to ask. David, the psalmist in, in the Old Testament, he's a king in, in Israel, and, and he says this in, in um, one of the psalms that he had written. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. So my point in this is that when David got serious about this, he not only prayed to God for where he needed to grow, but how he needed to grow. And he said, reveal to me the path of my harmful behavior, my offensive ways, and guide me to spiritual and character wholeness. So on your um, seats uh, right next to you or maybe underneath you, uh, there is a card that we, we handed out to everybody here. And you might already have this card from a previous week. And, and we want to make this a resource available to all of us. And we made it in, so you can just uh, slip it in your, in your Bible or you can uh, have it in your, in your purse. And, and what I'm going to do for the rest of this message, I'm going to take a, a portion of this um, card and we're just going to walk through this. We wanted to make this uh, morning really practical and really applicable in your life. And so if you go on the, on the back side and you go on this, the second um, 
paragraph here, steps to initiate godly character growth. I just want to walk through a few of these. I'm not going to walk through all of them here, but just I want to highlight a few of these. Last week, if, if you were here, uh, Brian, when he talked about why the character matters, it was really that, that first paragraph there and the, and the seven character or reasons to grow in, in godly character. And so we just want to take the second half of this, and I want to uh, walk through this a little bit. So, so the question becomes, well, okay, if character matters, and we're saying that character does matter and our character development and so that we can grow into the image of Jesus. Well, how does this actually happen? And this is just very, very practical steps. So here's the first step that I wanted to talk about is, is choose a character trait. Choose a character trait. And you would say, well, well, how would I know which character trait to choose? Well, first, you can just um, look at your own life. And if there's any self-awareness in our own life, we can see, oh, there's, there's kind of habits or there's been patterns in my own life that I should be looking at. Like, like here's a pattern. Um, are you continually angry at those around you, angry at coworkers, angry at, at, at your children? Or are you easily hurt or offended by comments that, that are made? Or, or do you, do you uh, uh, habitually um, procrastinate and you just put things off and you're not getting things, things done? If, if you're already self-aware of a glaring problem, then, then you can begin there. If, say, you're, there's not a glaring issue in your life, and because you're all pretty much perfect in this room here, and so you don't know that there's, like, there's an issue that you're really working with, well, another way you can find out if there's a character growth path that you need to grow in is ask your spouse. <laughs> that was some nervous laughter there. <laughs> yeah, I'm not... <laughs> Let's move to the next one, he said. <laughs> and, and if you're not married, then ask, ask a friend. And, uh, and just uh, take a, a posture of, of listening to what they say about your life and what they observe in your, in your life. Uh, there, there's another way, is that you can just spend some time listening to God in prayer and see what he brings up in your life. And I promise you, he will be gentle It'll be direct, and he's not going to overwhelm you with all these character traits. It'll just one at, at a time, and we just start working through these things. And so choose a character trait. Then start praying for that trait. I want, you to, I want to show you uh, how this works in, in Scripture and what Paul does with the church in, in Philippi. In Philippians uh, 1, in verses 9 through 11, he says this. He says, and this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. Here you go. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. So what Paul is saying here, what he's doing is that there, there's an issue, there's a character issue that he wants this church and filled by to work on. And he's praying that they would be filled with the fruit of righteousness. Now we can and we should do the same in our lives, that we'd be praying for that character trait that God has revealed to us to grow in. And you might say, well, and I've heard it say, that's not what you want to do, Drew, because if you know the old saying, if you ever pray for patience, what's going to happen? You're inviting trouble into your life. So don't pray for patience, right? I think that's, it's true. It, it, it will happen. Of course it will happen. Because we can't grow without testing. If I wanted to learn to fly an airplane in bad weather, I need to have some bad weather simulation training in order to learn how to do that. Testing is part of life. And don't let that scare you from not growing in the character trait 
that God wants you to grow in. So pray daily for that trait. Uh, learn and memorize scripture about your trait. So spend time in scripture. Why is this important? Because the more that you spend time in scripture, the more that your mind is being renewed. Romans 12.2, one of my favorite verses says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of on the mind, and then you can do God's will. When your mind is being renewed, it begins to motivate you, or as Paul puts it, you'll have the desire, you'll have the will to be transformed into the image of God. In, in a different uh, letter, Paul says this, so continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Okay, so this is what's going on. We're working this thing out. We want to move on into the fullness of the things that God has for us and promised. And we want to put behind us the things that are entangling us and holding us back. But we say, well, how is this possible? And he continues in this verse and he says, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his purposes. So when you start to see that your fruitfulness, your, your eternal reward, your ability to stand strong against the schemes of the enemy, your, your answers to prayer are all dependent on your character development, then it begins to motivate you to intentionally grow your character. Something else that you can do is, is tell someone about this and ask for their prayers. So again, just to get personal, Last week, I came here, and Brian was preaching, and if you were here last week, I, I kind of closed off the message, and if you, if you remember anything about that moment, you, will, you might remember what I said and how frustrated I was that morning. Kristen wasn't around, and so I was involved. I had the, the boys, and, and, and they weren't really cooperating, and so we get to uh, church in the morning, and they're crying, and Rhett is freaking out in the nursery, and I don't know where Beckham and Paxton is, and, and people are showing up late for church, and I'm just ready. I'm like angry. I'm like frustrated. I'm like, ah, this is ridiculous. I'm just going to shut this whole thing down. I'm moving on, and, and uh, this low-grade frustration was starting to, to boil up and turn over, and I was getting more and more frustrated and angry, and and I, I went home that day and I began thinking about this after, you know, I put the kids down for a nap and I was just kind of having a, like a moment of quiet before Kristen and Emery got home. And then I just got to thinking about this and I felt that the Lord was saying this low grade frustration that you're experiencing, Drew, that you continually experience, Drew, it's not going away on its own. And, and apparently, I've got some deep-seated issues i got to work through. So I've been thinking about this for a while, and it's been on my heart. And, and, maybe, and I thought maybe it was just a Drew idea. But then after this, I'm like, ah, oh, this is probably a God idea, is I needed to bring somebody into my life. And I needed to share this with them. And I needed to ask for their prayers. And so this last week, actually, I was thinking about this. And I was thinking about the person that I would ask in, into this relationship of just a prayer partner that they would come in and they would pray for me and, and with me. And, and I could reciprocate that and do the same. And I'm, I'm at the gym and I'm walking out of the locker room. And, and wouldn't you know, but that same person was walking into the gym in the locker room. And he's like, Drew, how are you doing? 
I was thinking about you this morning. In fact, I was praying for you this morning. And I was like, okay, God, I get it. Yeah, slap on the face. You want me to talk to this person. And so I did. And, and I said, would you be willing to pray with me and be a prayer partner with me? And he's like, I don't even need to pray about that. That's for sure. I will do that. And then last night I get this text. And he's like, hey, praying for you, seven o'clock. Can we just take five minutes to pray together about your ministry tomorrow, about church tomorrow? And so it, it just absolutely changes when you can walk with somebody and you can share these things with somebody and then you can be intentional about your character growth and you can do that together and it's not in secret. It's, it's way more intentional and it's way more productive. So invite somebody in and tell them about your, your character growth initiative and how you want them to pray for you. Here, here's the last one I want to... Um, bring your way is just, and, and be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. There's a, a verse in, in Ephesians, and it was a verse that was used when I was uh, a teenager in the youth group and in the environment that I was in all, all the time. And this verse is this, uh, don't get drunk on wine. How many of you remember hearing that verse growing up, right? There's just, just a couple, okay? You grew up in a way more liberal setting than I did, apparently. And so the verse that was continually used was, don't get drunk on wine. And, but there's a second half of that verse that I think is, is even more important than the first half of that verse. It says, it says, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. But be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that word, be filled, means it's a continual process. It means be being filled. Now, how is that possible? How is, how is being filled with the Holy Spirit a continual process? Doesn't that happen at the moment of salvation when we say, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life? And, and then that, that is, you're filled with the Spirit at that moment. And that's the process of salvation. But this is what we were talking about earlier, sanctification, that we are becoming more like Jesus. And, and, and what, the, the, what Paul is saying is, be being filled, be continually filled by the Holy Spirit. And you say, well, how is that even possible? Like, do I got to go to church? Do I got to find a church like every day and have someone to pray for me? Do I have to go to a conference like every weekend and try to live on the spiritual high? And so I can, I can I can, I can be, be, be being filled. Is that how this process works? That's not how this process worked, works at all. It's ridiculous. Uh, Paul actually um, explains a little bit more about how we can experience this continual uh, filling. And it says this. No, you can go back and, and, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks and all giving thanks always and for everything to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. What Paul is saying is that there's actually four ways in which we can continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. And one of them is that when we minister to others, when we're addressing each other in, in prayer, when we read scripture together, even in, in songs. This is why we have a prayer corner in, in the back here. We want to give you the opportunity not just to be encouraged by others, but to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And also how you do this, how you minister to others is by serving one another. And this is a way that God blesses us and fills us with his spirit, enabling us to keep going with the strength of God behind us. And then he says, when we worship the Lord, so singing on Sunday mornings, just like what we did, but not just on Sunday mornings or just singing. This is a posture of our heart where we, we live out of, where we prioritize God as number one in our lives or when we're grateful to the Lord. 
or when we submit to one another and, and out of reverence for, for Christ. And, I, and something that I've noticed about this is that this, is, this whole thing about submitting to one another, it gets harder the older that we get, the more stuff that we have, the more uh, ideologies that we hold onto, the more possession or pos- position that is given to us. But it's a way in which we can be continually filled by the Holy Spirit. Jesus gives us one more way, and I spent a lot of time in this verse with us as a church, and, and it's worth being reminded of, of again. It's back in the Gospel of John, and this is what Jesus says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. So when Jesus says that, um, I want you to remain in me, I want you to abide in me, it's the same thing as being filled with the Holy Spirit. You say, oh, well, how, do we, how do we do that? How do we remain? How do we abide in Jesus? And this is intentionally meeting with God in our, in our devotional life, in our prayer life, in, in our Bible reading, in memorization or meditating or, or listening to what he's saying or journaling um, our, our thoughts and God's thoughts and, and intentional conversation with, with others. When we pray to grow in a particular area of our character, the Holy Spirit is more than happy to assist you, and he, and he wants to help you. Here's how I just want to close this, this off here. I just want to show a little bit of how he will help you. Because we talked about these tests that will come our, our way, and we don't like to be tested, but, but he's going to test us. And so he sets up these tests so we can begin to grow in our, in our character. And it's the only way that we can really establish new character traits in our lives. But remember, God's not going to tempt you to sin and to fail and to fall. The devil does that. But he, he does test us in order to grow us. James chapter 1, verse 2 and 3 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of, of many kinds, because you will know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance or develops character. So have you ever noticed that when you make a resolution, maybe New Year's or sometime to change some sort of behavior in your life, the, the next moment where there's a testing that comes your way, there's like almost a, a, a time freeze for a few moments. And there is this battle that ensues in us. And we kind of wonder, uh, what, what should we do? What choice should we make? And, and you weigh out the resolution and, and how we're going to respond. And it's at that point in that time freeze where we can just stop and you don't act. And we ask the Holy Spirit to help us. And, and let's just say it takes 10 seconds in that time freeze for us to make a decision and, and us to choose correctly and to act properly. And it takes 10 seconds when you stop and you're like, oh, what should I do? I'm going to choose this. Okay, victory. Yes. And you feel wonderful. You did the right thing and you feel good about yourself. But at this point, it's still not part of your character. It's just you made a good decision, right? And so then another test comes along and that same freeze moment happens and the same internal battle happens. And, and once again, you have to make a decision and you choose correctly again. But this time, instead of 10 seconds, it only takes nine seconds. And then a third test comes along. And this time it doesn't take nine seconds. It takes eight seconds. And then it takes five seconds and then three seconds and then two seconds. And each deliberate act, each choice that we make, is be, it's becoming a little bit easier to make that right choice. There's still a pause. 
There's still a moment of, of weighing it out. There's a little bit of a battle that is, is going on in our, in our hearts, and there is a conscious decision that is, is made. But at this point, you already know that when the next test comes, you're going to make the right decision. And now it becomes a habit. Now it becomes a practice. And, and then life goes on and you begin to forget that you have uh, been intentionally making every effort to grow in that particular part of your character. And then someday somebody comes along like your, your spouse and says to you, hey, I've noticed something different about you. You're, you're not doing this anymore. Or the Holy Spirit taps you on the shoulder and reminds you of that particular character trait that you were working on and, and that you've been making the right choices. And this has become a pattern in your life. And the, and the choices are no longer conscious, but they become subconscious. And at this point, you've, you've moved from just a, a practice to a disposition, to a posture. And, and now it's become part of your character. And now this is how you act. And now this is what you are known for. So I thought I'd just leave you with this question. And maybe we can stand this morning as we close off. This is the question that I'd like to leave you with. How different would this church look like? How different would your family situation look like? Your workplace environment, your life look like? If every adult in this room prayerfully and intentionally changed just one character trait in their life. And it's not something that we're going to see a big change and a shift in next Sunday or by kickoff of next year or a year from now. It'll probably start reaping its fruits in two, three, four, five years from, from now. How different would your family look? How different would you look? How different would this church look if we all just said, God, this is the one character trait that I want to work on. Would you help me with it? And maybe that means that we would just ask God to give us a deep desire and a commitment to see that happen. And we'd ask the Lord what character trait he wants us to begin to work on. So my encouragement would be um, in, in this moment when we pray and we close off this service is to make that ask to the Lord and ask him and then write it down. And don't let this moment pass you by and just we can just move on with the next thing and get sidetracked and distracted by the things of life. But here in, in this moment, maybe let's take some time and we can ask the Lord, what is that one way, one area in my life that you want me to grow in and so that I can look more like you. And it, it comes back to that trees in the, in the Amazon and the forest, and they didn't start out as the dominant tree, but they started off as, as plants. And then over time, the stronger trees beat out the weaker trees. What tree is growing stronger in your life? And if you're to look at your life over the next five years, and, and over the next uh, 10 years? Is your character becoming more Jesus expressed? Or is there a different fruit that is rearing its head and might be of concern? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you that 
you have promised us that you will stay with us and you will journey with us. And through our ups and through our downs, that you are a constant and you are faithful. And Father, I thank you that your promise to us is that your divine power has given us everything that we need to live a godly life, to live a Jesus-expressed life, to live a beautiful life. And Father, everyone in this room, we have an area in our life, lives where we need your divine power in. And so I pray in this moment that we would have listening ears to what you are saying to us and we would be honest with ourselves in, in addressing these areas, admitting our need for you to help us grow in godly character. And so, Father, would you fill us with your spirit? Would you continue with us and, and guiding us with your transforming presence? We give you permission to do a deep work in our lives. In your name, all God's people said, amen, amen. I want to make myself available to you as we head out into the rest of the uh, weekend here, and I'd love to be able to talk and pray with you. I know that we have staff and we have uh, uh, leaders that would love to do the same as well if you would like to uh, pray with somebody. Thank you so much for joining us, and I can't wait to see you guys next week for our, our Soup Sunday, and we're going to continue on in this series as we look 50 years down the road as to what would uh, the 2070 version of us say to us right now. So you're dismissed, and, and just thank you so much for joining us this long weekend. And again, we'd love to be able to pray with you. Thank you.